My guest today, Brian Burns, has had a successful career selling in the complex sales environment. Now, for the last 10 years, he has been coaching and training other sales uh, professionals around the same thing, how to thrive and succeed while selling in a complex sales model. During our discussion, he touches on getting from good to great, how practice plays a role in achieving that, um, getting out of what he called the sales rep zone, how to sound more organic in your sales process, and a whole bunch more. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, Brian Burns, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing? Great. Glad to be here, Chris. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this discussion. I've been a big fan of your uh, your LinkedIn videos and your your multiple podcasts. Uh, you pretty much have something that hits my iPhone every single day in terms of a podcast. So you're, <laughs> yeah. you've been you've been doing great work. That's my mission. Yeah. Well, so why don't we jump right into it? Um, why don't you share a little bit about your sales background and how you kind of got started and how it turned into this coaching and sales coaching program that you have now? Yeah, I started off as a software developer, and this is back in the days before there were pre-sales people. So I was uh, willing to go out with the salespeople. So I did that. And at one dinner, the sales rep explained to me that she was going to become a chiropractor and go to chiropractor school. And I go, would you mind if I ask for your job after you resign? She goes, I don't care. And I did. And I, I loved it. I hated selling, but I loved commission. Right. Right? I loved the control over my income, which as an engineer, I felt I had zero control over my income. The only way to make more was to ask for more or quit and get a better job. And neither of those really fit my personality very well. But then I got into sales and I liked the challenge of it. And I liked kind of the entrepreneurial aspect of it. And that's pretty much all they wrote. And I, I worked my way up into enterprise sales and then <clears throat> kind of hit a point in my career where you start working for people who are younger and less experienced than you. And all of a sudden, the focus switched from customers and reps to CRM. And I was like, well, there's, there's nothing in there that's helping me sell anything. Right. And we just had these meetings after meetings about the C- I'm going to go do my own thing. So about 10 years ago, I decided to do my own thing. Yeah. So if you go in the, you know, this is the way back machine, right? But that transition from engineer to AM, and I, I see this a lot where we have sales engineers that decide that, hey, you know, maybe I'm doing a lot of the work. Um, he's making all the, or she's making all the money. I want to go do that. You know, tell me a little bit about that transition and, you know, any, any challenges, lessons learned that maybe set some of your foundational selling that you do today. Yeah. So I had that belief at first. And I quickly learned that there was a whole lot more to it. 
you know, because you give a, uh, an engineer a proposal and it go nowhere. And you go, well, that's what they did. No? Oh, no. Why'd they go talk to the CEO? That seemed like, what do they know? They don't understand what we sell and the value. This engineer does. So I didn't understand the economic side of selling, the political side of selling. And I always thought it was just about the bits and the bytes and the performance and the cost. And it almost has little to nothing to do about that as far as why a company changes. Mm -hmm. And I hated wasting my time, so I became a student of the game. I you know, made a great friend with both the CEO and my VP of sales and just grilled them on you know how this deal get done what were the steps where are the mistakes what am i doing wrong how do i do this better and my ceo he goes look brian just get me the meeting with the ceo i'll fly out i'll take it from there and we i go you're kidding so i just i would schedule a whole week and he would come out and meet his counterpart at the company and i'd watch what he did and I couldn't do what he did, but at least I knew it was possible. And we would just hit deal after deal after deal. And I didn't have the ego that I had to do everything in the deal. I let other people help me. And then eventually I was able to do most of those things. You know, you said a couple of things there that I want to go back to. Number one is the, you know, being a student of the game and I mean, I'm sure I was guilty of this at one point where I felt like, yeah, you know what? I've been doing this long enough. I've got this figured out. And as soon as you do that, man, you just get kicked in the face and you hit a roadblock and and you go backwards and you always have to be learning and always have to be studying and, and improving your craft. I mean, we're a doctor of sales. Well, well, that's it, because knowing how to golf or play basketball or do any performance is one percent of it. The ninety nine is becoming good at it and maybe someday becoming great at it. How long does it take to learn how to play basketball? Yeah. I mean, you can a day. Yeah. Not very long. No. So are we equal to LeBron James? No, we're not even in the same state as him. It's that practice and perfection and arduous focus on it. And I think too many reps get into the, I know trap. Oh, I know how to sell. So what? That means little to nothing. And then they walk right into one trap after another and the deal dies or the competition and runs them or, you know, they go into a false champion deal. All of these things that happen more often than not. And I think it happens because how do you live in a performance game all day long? It's hard. So what does our brain do? We, we kind of settle with, I know, and don't go beyond that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, and whether you're listening to this podcast or Brian's pod podcast, what's the name of your podcast, by the way? Oh, The Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling. Brutal Truth About Sales and Selling. You know, I, I'm a big fan. Find something that just a little nugget each day from a podcast perspective. I'm walking my dog every morning. I'm digesting something. And, you know, sometimes it just reminds me of the stuff that I've been trained 10 times in the past. Maybe I'm just not as sharp on it today. Well, think about that. I had a guy on the show who was well into his 50s. He practices meeting opener every day in the morning for a half hour. Oh, wow. Drives his wife crazy. He's in the shower opening up meetings, describing what his company do, why they should be interested, kind of the value proposition elevator pitch. And does, is it that he doesn't know it? 
No, he wants it to sound so organic and natural and have it flow like he hadn't practiced it at all. So he doesn't sound like a salesperson. I love that. I love that. You know, it's conversational at that point. So you said something else about you brought your executive. Was that your CEO that you brought in? Yeah. So I know you know this, right? But when you did that, the things that you learned, the, you know, the exposure that you had from the different ways of doing things, how they position, how they talk, and just then the ability to now think bigger as a sales rep is so impactful. And I, you know, I, I think I was a little bit nervous when I was a younger sales rep to bring in my executive. But when I figured that out, man, what an impact that has on your business. It does. And I think a lot of us think that that's weakness. And I felt it was strength because did that CEO want to meet with a sales rep? No, probably not because they, they know what they're in for a presentation, a demo, a little objection handling and a hard close. I don't think they want to sit through that, but do they want to meet another CEO who has a broad view of the industry, why they started the company, what the opportunities are, things they might be missing in a conversational, insightful manner? Probably. Yeah. And it was, it was easy to get the meeting and it made it easy to have follow on meetings with their executives. Yeah. Just opens up so much. I had a previous guest who was, uh, a VP at a really large company and they had a, they had a seven figure account and for three years, you know, they worked on a sales campaign and, and grew at 300%. But what tipped it over the top was the CEO to CEO mapping. It opened up conversations that they, and problems that they really didn't even know or totally understand. So, you know, it's, it's not for every deal, right? And it's a ton of work to bring in your CEO, but when you do it, uh, it's impactful. Yeah, it's got to be a real deal. It can't be a prospecting opportunity or a maybe or a someday. It's got to be like kind of a closing type meeting. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, shifting gears a little bit. So you, um, in, in what you do now, you're exposed to so many salespeople in uh, multiple industries. And I know you, I assume there's so many salespeople in the tech world that you have quite a few of those that you meet. You know, as you're working with um maybe doing some training, some coaching. What are you seeing out there that's separating the top 10, 20% from the rest of the pack? What are they doing different? They really want to get great at sales. They own it. Too many people are looking for the magic bullet, the magic subject line, the call to action, the real tactical things that will help you, but they're not game-changing. I think the best people have the curiosity and the interest to understand how deals get done and how they can win them instead of, and also they have kind of the ability to take feedback because if you can't take feedback, how are you going to get better? Mm -hmm. Because it's not that you're a bad person. It's just that that strategy may not be that effective. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck beach camping or just you know just keeping your drink warm or cold now, i'm not selling these but i am excited about them so we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing so if you're interested go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug that's m-u-g 
and you'll see a picture of the tumbler and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter. When you do it, start to work with maybe a student and they're struggling, maybe they're hitting a roadblock. Is there sort of an initial place you go with them to figure out how to unstick them? Yeah, I, I try and play the customer. I go, what do you think the customer's thinking? Why do you think they're not calling you back? What do you think them not calling you back means? Have you ever not wanted to call anybody back? Because I think empathy is the best teacher. When we're in the other person's role and experience, we tend to see why it's not crazy what they're doing. It's, it's pretty much natural what they're doing and predictable. And we can't see it because it's orthogonal to our personal interest. And it's really not. It's just natural. People don't like to give bad news, so they'll avoid it. Nobody assigns a little you know, appointment, give bad news to Chris. <laughs> Nobody does that. And when you ask for the update, they're going to give you the rosiest version of it, not the real version of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I think back, um, you know, just even as a, as a sales rep, maybe working with one of my team members, we've had over the years, there's been some really nice customers that we worked with, right? And personal relationships, we've been out on the golf course, lots of lunches and they're people. And so they don't want to, you know, it's hard for them to break, sometimes break the bad news. Of course not. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, so kind of maybe a little bit more of a, a tactical question, Brian, but you know, either you or maybe one of the sales reps that you work with, is there one or two foundational things that, that you try to do in every sales call is maybe a habit? A lot, you know, because I certainly prepare a lot, get to learn about the people. I mean, because today you can pretty much build a dossier on anybody you're meeting, mm -hmm. on them, their company, their group. Where, where you think they're going, create some questions, and guess who they want to talk about? Me and my product? Nope. Them and themselves, their career, where they're going. And then they really open up. Because you have to get out of that sales rep zone, where you're the rep, they're the customer, and it's this game you have to play. The way to get around that is to let them talk. And guess what? Nobody asks them about their career. How'd you get here? How long you've been here? Even though you know the answer, what do you like about this? How, how do they keep you? Where do you see your career progressing to? And, and you would think, well, what does that have to do with the sales call? It's a lot better than talking about the weather or the game, which, which are okay too at the very beginning. But today we have such a you know, limited amount of time. We have to get that rapport stage quickly. And why not make it about them so that you know it has the effect you want? Yeah, make that connection. I made a note, uh, get out of the sales rep zone. Love that comment. It's so We all just walk right into it and then why, wonder why we're being treated like salespeople. Yeah. Well, and in all fairness, right, I sometimes, you know, I feel for the, you know, the typical salesperson because you do spend at work all your day fixating on all that sales stuff, you know, your management, your VP. Yeah. So it's hard to get out of that that thought process it is it's all really hard but every time you talk to a salesperson you know they're a salesperson right you can just hear it in their voice 
they've got disco calls and qualification and next steps and value propositions. And it's like, that's not how people think. Yeah. And the best compliment you can get in a sales call is, are you the salesperson or are you? Right. They don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, that reminds me, I, I had this manager one time, uh, you know, might've been a VP, but you know, I, I did bring him into some meetings and he'd come in and he'd just kind of sit back and, and I would get, I would get anxious because I was in such a hurry to sort of get to the point of what we needed to do. And he's like, you know, he was not, you know, he, he barely asked a sales question. You know, he would sometimes ask the hard questions. He would sometimes challenge them a little bit on, you know, well, why, why work with us? You know, I, but he, his, his confidence and his interest in things that weren't tied to the specific sales process really stood out with me kind of at an early stage in my career. And it's like, I want to be more like that guy. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do that because we got a number over our head. We've got pressure from management and we're thinking, is this worth my time? How do I get the next step, the next progression, the closing of the deal? And we're not thinking, is it the right time yet? What do they need to see? How do I prevent this from stalling instead of cause it to stall? Right. How do I build enough of a relationship that they want to talk with me independent of the transaction? So, Brian, um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you've, been, you've been coaching now and working with students for, you know, like sounds like about 10 years. What's your proudest moment? In the last 10 years? Yeah, with, you know, with a particular student or somebody that you were helping. You know, when I get the emails back from them that they made club or they were the top rep or they closed a deal that the manager didn't think they could close, that really feels great. Yeah. Or they got into an account that they've been trying to get into for a year and they were able to do it in a half hour. Th those are the things. You know, the, the sad things are like when people say, oh, that sales 101, or they, they will say anything to not do something, which is just a rationalization that I know it. Okay, great. You know it. Congratulations. Do you want to be successful? Or you want to be right. Right. <laughs> and do you want to sell something? Yeah. I used to tell one of my inside guys, you want to be right or you want to be rich. <laughs> you can't be both. Right. Well, that's, you know, it is, it is interesting because, um, you know, salespeople, I mean, there's a number of us out there that, that have an ego, but I, I found that the ones that can check that ego at the door, you talked earlier about being able to take feedback, being able to be wrong and adjust course, man, it is such a powerful trait to grow and, and find new ways to, to be successful. It is because if you look at anybody who's successful in a performance profession, it's all about practice, breaking it down, humbling, knowing that you're only as good as your last game. You know, if you look at like Billy Joel, does he practice piano man before he goes out in Madison Square Garden to perform it in front of 60,000 people? Has he not played it one billion times? He practices because he wants it just right. And salespeople, they all, oh, I, I've given this presentation a hundred times. I know it. But then they get to the slide and they, there's a little bit of a pause and they forget the, how to really accentuate that point or ask that question, or they lose their timing, or they're not in the groove, or they're hungover and they just grab a Starbucks and head in and, uh, and wing it. And sometimes it's okay, but it's your income at stake. Yeah. 
It's uh, you know, one of the things that I, I had done in the past for me, it's just, this is what works for me. Everybody has their own style, but I would, I would actually, you know, fully script out my presentation and it's not because I wanted to deliver it word for word. It allowed me to go back over it and then make it more conversational. And if I ever did, you know, you sometimes in the middle of presenting, you have something going through your head and you get off track. Well, how do you quickly get down back on track and make it natural? And for me, just having that that practice scripted presentation that I put together gave me a, a baseline to work from, not necessarily recite. Well, well, that's it, because think about today. To get a cold outbound meeting probably takes a week or two sometimes, 5, 10, 15 tries. Yeah. Okay, so that, let's say that's 10 hours just for math. And then you spend zero time preparing for that meeting? You spend 10 hours getting. Right. That, you know, whether it's a rehearsal, writing it up, whiteboarding it, put some bullets together, a little PowerPoint, something to get the flow going, to really show that you understand them and you can help them, not your canned, you know, here's our building, here's where our executives went to college, here's who's befunded us, which nobody cares about. Like your preparation, that if you can't practice, preparation's the best practice. You know, because it's hard to find somebody to sit still to listen to your your presentation as a rehearsal, right? Yeah, yeah. The wife and kids aren't up for that, are they? <laughs> nope, nope. They've heard it before. And they think I'm great. That's right. That's right. Well, Brian, um, shifting gears as we get closer to wrapping it up. So you, you've been very active on LinkedIn and you put out some you know, really interesting content, funny content, sometimes some just kind of no bull views on sales and sales management and you know it's entertaining yet um informational and you know it's easy for a sales manager to tell their team hey you need to get more active in social media to get more leads you know what what's some of your guidance or experience on leveraging social media or linkedin as part of your sales role well i discovered it early i was on it i think in 03 or 04 and i saw it as a great online rolodex and then uh, about 10 years ago, they started letting you post articles. And about five years ago, they implemented video. And I had been doing video on YouTube, the same type of walk and talk type stuff. Mm -hmm. But YouTube was more discovery based. You had to search for it, typically. It was a kind of a feed, but not that effective. When I found out that LinkedIn was kind of promoting videos, and all of a sudden, I was getting like 5,000 on every video where it would get maybe 50 on YouTube. So it was 100x. Yeah. And then I said, well, there's a lot of bickering. The salespeople all have very strong, feel, almost religious feelings about sales. They're so ingrained. One day, I was like, why don't I make a comical one where I'm pretending to be talking to my boss or something? And just a lot of facial expressions, typical frustrations between management and sales that everyone can relate to. It blew up. Yeah. I did it on a whim, 50,000 the first day. Holy cow. Wow. And I was like, you can't buy this type of advertising. So for, for salespeople, you have a trade show on the internet, whether it's LinkedIn, TikTok, YouTube, whatever. Your, wherever your audience, your customers hang out, and you have the opportunity to be visible to them. You you'd fly across the country to go to a trade show and sit in a booth. Why not open up your phone and share something that your market would be interested in? 
how other people solve the problem that they have, what other people care about, what you've seen, what you've noticed, what's wrong, what's right. You know, if a sales rep didn't want to go to a trade show, you'd, you'd shake your head at them, right? Right. But now you have one that's 24 7, 365, and it's free. And people, I don't, I don't have time for that. I'm busy on the phone. Is the phone going up in effectiveness or down? You know, I don't pick. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a great point. And obviously, you, you are very effective with it. And when you're creating those videos, by the way, sometimes you're also creating content that you, know, you can use in other ways. So um, I'm actually was just going to do a, a single solo podcast episode on this. But, you know, you get a question, and I think you might might have done an episode on this, but you get a question from a customer. Maybe, you know, you've got a, and it's coming up multiple times. Well, you know what, go ahead and create a video on it. It's, you can use it as a reply. And by the way, you could also share it in social media and repurpose it multiple ways. And um, customers appreciate it. They can go back and watch it again. It's professional. Well, that's it because it's not a commercial. And I think this is where salespeople get it wrong, where they have to make it a commercial about what they do. But what does your audience care about? What problems? Do they have that they aren't aware of yet that you could make them aware of and why they need to be aware of it? And let's face it, no matter what you're selling, you're at least becoming known. You know, because now I'm, I'm known. I walk down the street, people beep the horn. I don't know who they are, but they know who I am. They may like me, may, may dislike me. It doesn't really matter, but at least it's kind of a self-selecting uh, audience. So instead of pitching all day and spamming all day, it's a pretty easy way to engage with your marketplace and learn what they care about. Read the comments. If you don't want to do it yourself, follow someone who's doing it now just to do research on what people care about. It'll help you in your sales process. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, right there. That last point is so important. I don't have many great ideas. I just see what other people do and I take it and I try to tweak it and do it a little bit better or more importantly, I just execute on it, you know, just go, you know, go do it. Just do it. Yeah. Because what you see on LinkedIn today is, you know, the influencers find out the most popular stuff, reword it, and then put it under their name. <laughs> <laughs> Why not be smarter and see what people are talking about as far in your space, right? Where, where your ideal customer profile cares about and then amplify it or talk about it yourself or ask. Yeah, love it. Well, Brian, so again, I really appreciate your time today. Some great, great content. Um, as we wrap up, how can somebody reach out to you or get hold of you? Yeah, I'm all over LinkedIn. You'll see me, Brian G. Burns. Uh, podcast is The Brutal Truth on all the podcast players and on YouTube. And I really appreciate you having me. My pleasure. Brian, thanks again. We'll talk soon. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.